freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Americanism, not globalism, will be our credo as long as we are led by politicians who will not put America first, then we can be assured that other nations will not treat America with respect, the respect that we deserve. You're listening to the voice of the future. Fighting for America every day. This is the conservative crusader. And here's your host, GOP Josh. Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in here on the Red Future Radio Network. Very excited to be joining you again on this Tuesday and Thursday program, this edition of the Conservative Crusader on the air. We appreciate you being here. So we have some big news in all across the globe today. As the Prime Minister of Great Britain, if you care has resigned after just six weeks in office being the first prime minister um, or the the shortest prime minister tenure in British history. Uh, she resigned in a, like a one-minute speech on the 20th, which is today. Her administration has gone pretty crazy after she was sworn in after Boris Johnson left. Boris, Boris Johnson is now running, by the way, so he's running for prime minister again. I do not understand UK politics at all. I don't try to. I don't want to. I just thought I'd share with you all that information that she has resigned and she will no longer be serving as prime minister once a replacement is found. So the Supreme Court had a chance today, specifically Amy Coney Barrett had a chance today to truly change the course of this country, our our future debt, our, our constitution and protect our constitution, period. And she did not do that. So I've said many times on the program before, Amy Coney Barrett for abortion is a godsend. I mean, she's a phenomenal justice for abortion and abortion only. I mean, other than that, she's a pretty mainstream, lame-o, live-or-let-live kind of person, which is fine, but that's not how our Constitution is structured. Right? So the Supreme Court has rejected a request to block Biden's student loan forgiveness program. This wasn't just the Supreme Court or the entire Supreme Court at all. She had an opportunity. It was Amy Coney Barrett. It was a request sent by a Wisconsin taxpayer group to Amy Coney Barrett's district to her court. She oversees the 7th District, the 7th Circuit, uh, includes Wisconsin in it. And she had an opportunity to refer this to the rest of the court. So she wouldn't have made the decision herself. She could have personally voted or, or not voted, but put her stance behind not changing it or not overturning it. 
but she had an opportunity to refer it to the rest of the court, and she did not. So I haven't had a chance to deep dive into this yet, but I do have this CNBC article about it. The Supreme Court on Thursday rejected a request to block the Biden administration's student loan debt relief program. Justice Amy Coney Barrett denied the emergency application to block the program that had been filed by a Wisconsin taxpayers group Wednesday. Barrett is responsible for such applications issued from cases in the Seventh Circuit of the U.S. Court of Appeals, which includes Wisconsin. A notation of her denial in the Supreme Court's docket does not indicate that she referred the application to the entire Supreme Court before she rejected the request. So she could have she could have inferred it or referred it to everyone else. She could have not. I'm guessing she didn't. Listen, Amy Coney Barrett seems like a fine woman, right? Uh, she she was good on abortion. She was good on that issue. But whoever Donald Trump trusted to refer justices to him to say, you should appoint these justices to the Supreme Court. Whoever recommended Amy Coney Barrett needs to be further away than a transgender bathroom from the Trump administration. Needs to be further away than Jared Kushner to the Trump administration. I've said this many times. Donald Trump's lasting legacy is going to be his impact and his justices to the Supreme Court of the United States. We need to make it a good legacy. Right? And I I believe Amy Coney Barrett might be a nice person. Like I said, she's probably a fine woman. But she is not constitutional. The Constitution does not give the right to abolish debt to the president. That is Congress's job. If Congress wants to do that, they can. That is not the president's job. He can't sign an executive order to do that. I mean, he just can't. So I don't know where this idea from Amy Coney Barrett comes from, but it's not constitutional at all. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a constitutional scholar, and, and she is. But from my basic knowledge, from my Hillsdale College copy of my pocket constitution I carry, that's not nowhere in there can it say, the president can forgive up to $10,000 or $20,000 of student loan debt. Nowhere does it say that because it's not in the text. It's not in the Constitution. I, I just put down my Hillsdale copy, if you heard that, slam on my desk. Because I keep it next to me at all times during the program. I actually probably have two copies around here somewhere. Hoarding the Constitution, I know, folks, but that is just insanely disappointing for Mimi Coney Barrett. I mean, it truly is. She's supposed to be a conservative justice, a, a Trump-appointed justice, which she is a Trump-appointed justice either way. She should act like it. She should act like a conservative, act like someone who has who's actually read the Constitution and realized what, what this policy does, and she instead just rejected the request. All right. I, I would prefer not to move on yet and, and talk about this in, in lengthy detail, but we have so much to get to today, so much election news. It seems every day we get closer. I forgot, I forgot the most important part of the program. Starting off the program today, 19 days until the most important election of our lifetime. My lifetime, your lifetime, the person listening to this program's lifetime, your neighbor's lifetime. The most consequential election for the future of our country is on November 8th, 2022. Make your plan to vote today. If you're going to vote early, go right ahead. If you're going to vote on person on election day with a paper ballot, please do that. If you're going to vote by mail, no, don't, no, no, no reason to vote at all, to be completely honest. Your vote, your vote won't count. It'll just be, it might be tallied up, but it will not be finalized in the system. They'll find a fraud vote to overcome your vote if you vote by mail. Vote in person on election day with a paper ballot and watch them put the paper ballot into the counting, and you're safer going that route. 
So the White House press secretary, stumped by a question about energy producers, quote, trying to put them out of business. So, so to, to, I don't know, I'm stuttering so much today, for goodness sakes. To put some context to this, the Biden administration said they're releasing a couple different, uh, I think he said 20 million barrels of oil, to try to lower gas prices. It's their last October surprise attempt to save the Democrats' chances in 2022. And I don't think anything can do that at this point. Even left-wing pollsters are, and left-wing pundits are saying, yeah, the, the Dems are going to have a hard time. So the White House press secretary, Fox News White House correspondent Peter Ducey on Wednesday pressed White House press secretary Karine Jean-Pierre to explain exactly how Biden, President Biden's expected oil companies to lower their gas prices when the, his administration has repeatedly tried to undermine them with environmental policies. Jean-Pierre had kicked off the press conference touting Biden's role in bringing down gas prices since their peak in the summer. So I want to start off by saying lowering gas prices 60 cents when they're up $2 or, or something around there. That's not an accomplishment. That's basic common sense and basic responsibility. Nothing to, nothing to flaunt. I, I don't think you can go out there and say, well, w- w- we did this. I crashed your car. I crashed your 2022 Dodge Challenger. But I have this 2006 Chevy Impala that'll... that'll you can have this. Here you go. No one's going to let that fly. And it's the same thing that they're doing here in this policy, with this policy, trying to lower gas prices by just releasing barrels. She added that the president was trying to, or calling on oil and gas companies to pass on their savings to consumers at the pump. Now, I'm not a gas station executive, obviously. I'm a radio executive. No, I'm kidding. I'm a radio host. But I don't imagine gas companies and gasoline stations are making more than three cents a gallon, five cents a gallon, maybe even 10 cents a gallon, but that's about it. Do they expect them to sell gasoline at a loss to help the Democrats in November? I honestly thought when I heard that the Biden administration was going to be releasing a plan to lower gas prices, I was like, here it is. They're going to put in in place laws that are saying you can only ask for this amount of money for something. I I seriously thought that was going to happen where you're like, well, this is a limit on how much you can charge for this item. I I could have seen that happening with the Biden administration with gasoline. I thought that's what was going to happen. So I'm happy that's not the route they're taking, but it's just it's a joke. Why would uh, Ducey ask Jean-Pierre why oil companies would listen to an administration that is ultimately trying to put them out of business? They produce fossil fuels and the president says that he wants to end fossil fuels. While more than 9,000 approved drilling permits remain untapped by the oil industry, uh, she said there's no shortage of opportunity or incentive for oil companies to ramp up production. This is something they can actually do. It's available to them. They can do this. They're also getting the profits. What a joke, Corinne Jean-Pierre. She's representing the worst administration in American history, and at least modern American history, with no shame, with no regard for the American people that she's representing, supposed to represent, and just no regard for your pocketbooks, your purses, your wallets, your financial freedom. Absolutely disgusting. Despicable behavior from Corinne Jean-Pierre. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. This is The Conservative Crusader. If you miss any portion of the radio program, go to gopjosh.com slash show today to listen to the podcast. Call into the program 57 gopjosh 7 
574-675-6747 is our call-in voicemail number. Welcome back to the program. This is the Conservative Crusader, if you're just now tuning in. Marjorie Taylor Greene is our next topic. She says McCarthy must give her more, quote-unquote, power to please GOP voters. Also from Fox News, as the last story was, Georgia GOP Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene warned House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy that he needs to give her more power and leeway to please Republican voters if the party wins control of Congress following November's election. I I think to that, I I cannot say a word. I think that to be the best Speaker of the House and to please the base, he's going to give me a lot of power and a lot of leeway. And if he doesn't, they're going to be very unhappy about it. I think that's the best way to read that. She said to the New York Times magazine. And that's not in any way a threat at all. I just think that's reality. Uh, Green also suggested that McCarthy take a more aggressive approach against President Biden. She has drafted articles of impeachment against the president immediately after he was sworn in into office January 2021. She was stripped from her committee assignments in, in February of the same year. Democrats and 11 Republicans voted to remove her from the Education, Budget, and Labor Committees after social media posts endorsing conspiracy theories were surfaced. They're going to do anything, folks. She's a rightfully elected member of Congress, and they're going to do anything they can to silence her and silence her. Like they'll silence you. Like they'll silence anyone else on the airwaves, on the social media platform, on the podcast platform. I, I mean, look what they're doing to Steve Bannon. I mean, truly a best representative of it. And I listen to a few different programs that have also been censored. And you have the Steak for Breakfast podcast, which I, I, I think is hilarious. I love their interviews and their little commentary. And not, not, not a plug. I, I can't advertise for non, non-Red Future programs. I mean, I can, but... Great program. But but they've been silenced on social media like 11 times, I think they said, on the Great Steak Breakfast one day. That's how crazy it is. And the House does the same thing to their internal people. We have social media that does it to their users, which is one thing. But the House has done it actively to Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, and she needs more power. Uh, she, she needs more power, more representative. Uh, she needs to be in, in Elise Stefanik's position. I don't like Elise Stefanik. I haven't liked Elisa Phonics since she was tapped to replace Liz Cheney. I said if she's the one replacing Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney should stay. Liz Cheney had more conservative votes than, than Elisa Phonic did. She only agreed with President Trump about 63% of the time. But she's a woman and she says good things, so, so she gets power. That's how that works. Marjorie Taylor Greene has had a perfect voting record, a perfect representative record in Congress. She has proposed the perfect amendments and the perfect bills, and she should be the one in that position of power. I genuinely think if it wasn't impossible to get the base on her side, she should be the Speaker of the House. I think she'd be a great vice president pick in 2024 if she wasn't so disliked by so many in the mainstream media. She'd be the number one attack, right? She needs to have immense power come 2023. She should be one of the top Republicans in committees. She should be one of the top Republicans in the internal GOP workings. She needs to be a leader of the party. She endorsed J.D. Vance, who won in Ohio after Trump endorsed him, before Trump did. She's had a lot of powerful endorsements, a lot of powerful campaigning, and she just has a base. I mean, how many Republicans have the base, unlike Donald Trump, or uh, other than Donald Trump, that Marjorie Taylor Greene has? 
I mean, I've seen people wearing Marjorie Taylor Greene merchandise in Ohio. I've never seen Marjorie Taylor Greene in Ohio. She's never been to an event I've been to. But I've seen MTG for America shirts. I sometimes browse the FEC filings for some people with their financial records. And the amount of people that donated $250 to Marjorie Taylor Greene's campaign for that gun rifle, uh, raffle. I mean, she has so much power, so much name recognition, positive and negative. She needs to be in a position of power in the GOP. And she believes the same thing. Uh, let's see here. They'll have the committees of the committee assignments they have now. They may have other committees assignments. They may have had better committee assignments. Taylor Green, she was just a freshman. She has the right to serve on committees. Green told the New York Times Magazine she would like to serve on the oversight and judiciary committees. I completely deserve it. I've been treated like bleep. I've been treated like garbage. Uh, she has been also suspended from Twitter over the coronavirus and vaccine posts. She's going to easily win re-election against Charles Flowers, or, or what's his name? Charles Flowers, right? Uh, Charles Flowers. He debated her the other night. That was kind of funny. I didn't watch the whole thing because she's not going to lose. But it's kind of funny anyway. Uh, MTG opponent. I don't remember his name. Uh, what's his name? Why does it not? Marcus Flowers. Marcus Flowers. He's going to lose bigly. That, that's how unimportant he is. I don't remember his name. And I follow these politics very bigly. And I don't remember his name. He, he's going to lose. Marjorie Taylor Greene is going to win. And she should be on the ground. I, I know Mike Collins said on Steak for Breakfast, which is a great podcast, that he's been traveling in Ohio, in North Carolina, I believe he said, New Hampshire, all over the country for other conservative candidates. I know MTG did the same thing during the primaries. And she should be on the NRCC's dime traveling to OH09 for Jeremy Majewski, traveling to NC1 for Sandy Smith, traveling to these states, getting the base out. Because if we don't get the Republican base out in 2022, in November, we're not going to win. And getting those unaffiliated Republicans, like those people who aren't actually members of the party, aren't registered to the party, don't vote in primaries, getting them out to vote and getting them out for Republican candidates. And knocking on doors, some of the information was provided to me about the voter, the name, I believe their age was provided, and like their registration. And I was knocking deep red houses a lot of the time. I mean, you could see a lot of them weren't registered Republican. They they had, I don't know how they really find that information, but they, they weren't all registered Republican deep red. But there's a lot of Republicans that I knocked on their door and I said, hi, my name is GOP Josh with the, with the organization. Um, I, I'm asking you, do you plan on voting for Donald Trump? Every time I knocked on an unaffiliated house, they said yes. And those are a lot of people that are, are proud, big Republicans, proud, big conservatives that like MTG, like these people that would get out to vote and get out to these events and donate money and donate time if they had people like MTG coming around. So they need to have her big in power. She should have a big position in power. She's going to win her election. Allow her on the ground, on the, on the NRCC's dime, traveling the country for Republicans all across the nation. So we have a couple more things to get to. We're running very low on time. It seems like every time we, we get on the air, we just keep running. It seems the shows keep getting shorter and shorter. So even the NBC election expert reveals why Republicans are poised to win in November. So remember that guy everyone was simping over during the uh, 2020 elections? Oh, this man is so attractive. This man, oh, whoa, whoa. 
when he was on TV for like three hours straight or 30 hours straight, even he believes on MSNBC that Republicans are going to take back the House. Uh, Steve Kornacki explained why Republicans could do well in the November midterm elections during a Tuesday morning appearance on NBC's Today Show. We talk about the economy and inflation being important issues. How about this? This is the New York Times poll brand new here. Asking voters what the top issue on your mind is this election. Adding the economy and inflation together, that is 44%. We're getting close to half the respondents in the poll saying that that is their top issue. I'm going to play the clip here. All right, Megan Fitzgerald, thank you very much. And we turn now to the midterms with just three weeks to go. Early in-person voting is now underway across a number of states and at stake, control of the Senate and the House. And on the minds of voters, major issues like the economy, crime, abortion rights. NBC national political correspondent Steve Kornacki is here with some of the things we're watching three weeks out. And let's start right there with the issues that voters say matter to them and what that's telling us about what might happen here in these elections. Yeah, interesting, Savannah. We've talked so much all year about about the economy and inflation being important issues. How about this? This is a New York Times poll, brand new here, asking voters what's the top issue on your mind this election. I haven't seen it this dramatic in a poll. Add the economy and inflation together. That is 44%. We're getting close to half of all respondents in this poll saying that's their top issue. Nothing else even cracks 10% right now. And we've talked about the Republicans when it comes to the economy and inflation having a pretty clear advantage in the polls. And that brings us to the next question on the poll, they call it the generic ballot. You know, they just ask, would you like a Republican or a Democrat to control Congress? And there's been some movement here. Yeah, and typically this has been a pretty good indicator of where things end up in midterm elections. So this is the average of the generic ballot right now. And you can see the Republicans with a lead here. That is a 2.2 point lead for Republicans. Now, that's close, generally speaking, but we were here a week ago taking you through the generic ballot. And a week ago, this number was inside of one point. You had that inflation news over the last week certainly didn't help the Democrats. And it does seem that as the economy moves to center stage, Republicans are improving their chances here. And a few weeks ago, it was the Democrats who had the advantage there. So you see the momentum in these final weeks. Let's talk about the issue of crime. Not high on the list of voters' concerns, and yet it seems to be making an impact in certain races. It's fascinating because we showed you the top issue voters have. Crime doesn't rate high there. Doesn't mean it's not on their mind. So let's show you a place where I think it is having an impact. This is Wisconsin. One of the key Senate races, Ron Johnson, two-term Republican incumbent. He leads in the polling average over his Democratic challenger. Now, Johnson has been leaning heavily on crime. Interesting poll that came out of Wisconsin this week. They asked things a little bit differently. They basically asked, are these issues important to you? That's what's being asked here. Inflation tops the list, but look at crime. Hmm. It's close to 90%, and I think also striking, abortion is under 80%. Republicans running heavily on crime, Democrats running heavily on abortion, and it looks like in this Wisconsin, Wisconsin race, crime may have more resonance than abortion does. Making a big difference in Pennsylvania's Senate race as well, it appears. But let's talk about Georgia, because it may just be Georgia, 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 to quote our friend Tim Russert. That might be the, the decision maker in terms of who controls Congress. Yeah, I mean, again, we saw this two years ago. Georgia is a runoff state. If nobody gets 50 percent, and here's that Senate race, Raphael Warnock, Herschel Walker, Warnock leading, but nobody at 50. If nobody cracks 50, it's a, a December 6th runoff. 
could have control of the Senate on the line. They did have a debate last Friday. We're waiting to get a readout from some polls. Haven't really seen it yet. If that changed anything there. Real quickly, the governor's race is interesting because it doesn't look like people are at least telling pollsters they're going to vote straight down party lines. We thought this type of voter was extinct, the split ticket voter. But look in Georgia, Brian Kemp, the Republican governor, pretty comfortably ahead, outperforming the other Republican Herschel Walker. What pollsters say they're seeing here is there's a suburban voter outside Atlanta who doesn't like Biden, doesn't like the Democrats, but also doesn't like Donald Trump. And, you know, Brian Kemp went to political war with Donald Trump and he survived. In that voter's eyes, Kemp's okay. Walker's got some convincing to do. We're going to be spending a lot of time together, Steve Kornacki, as we get close to Election Day. Thank you so much. Hoda. All right, guys, let's turn to Monday Night Football. Four quarters, not enough for the Chargers and Broncos. So the game. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. Hey everyone, it's Joe P. Josh. We can only keep The Conservative Crusader podcast or, or program that you're listening to right now on the air with your support. We have recently launched a Patreon program where you can support us here at Red Feature Radio for as little as $3 a month. You can find that at patreon.com slash Josh. You can also support the program at anchor.fm slash the conservative crusader for as much or as little as you'd like to give. This program will remain free and financial support is not required or expected, but anything to keep us on the air helps. Thank you, folks. And now, back to the conservative crusader. This is The Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is The Conservative Crusader. Make sure if you enjoy the program, and you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcasting platform that allows you to rate your podcast, putting them at five stars, four stars, one star. That one's not an option here. You can't put one star. <laughs> Just kidding. But we're asking you to, to press the five-star button. I mean, it, you'd be surprised how much it actually helps the program. It helps this network and this program grow i mean we're at a three point i believe it's seven star rating right now on apple Podcasts. pretty similar on spotify because we have so many liberals who just come out and go we don't like this guy this guy stinks and we can have that folks you have to you have to rate five stars if you enjoy the program we know you do we hope you listen we hope you appreciate the program and appreciate this station and this this program. So please rate it five stars wherever you get your podcast and wherever it is available for you to rate. All right. A category two or three hurricane heading the Democrats' way. This is Steve Wasserman, who is the I seen enough guy. His, that's a Twitter catchphrase, which is pretty much when an election is over. Um, I think Nate Silver, my friend, oh, this is an actual full-on interview, uh, asked the right question over the summer when he wondered whether this would be an asterisk election. Asterisk election. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Uh, we're somewhere between a year, which has been a minimum wave, and a classic midterm where Republicans do quite well. I think this is probably a category two or three hurricane headed Democrats' way, not just a category four or five. So this is Steve Wasserman here. And I, if you guys don't know who he is, uh, he is one of the pundits, one of the political like uh, prediction man men. He was one of the first to write J.R. Majewski off right after that big hit piece, that big fake AP story that came out against him. 
let me see here if I can find the uh, the tweet here that he said on his Twitter page about it. Pretty much saying they got some catching up to do now. Their candidate's a, a QAnon insurrectionist that dislikes uh, these these people, right? Okay, yes. New at Cook Political, which is he, he is the U.S. House editor for. It's Oppo Dump O'Clock. An OH09 Rep Marcy Captor moves from toss up to lean D as another GOP opportunity fades. Now, you heard, if you were listening on your radio, to the last clip from uh, NBC News, where they said, they even said, yeah, Republicans are, are doing pretty well. National ballots up 2%. Oh, my microphone's falling apart. That's fun. Republicans are up 2% nationwide on a left leaning New York Times poll. That's where we are right now. And he's the guy that said, well, it's going to be a lean D election. No no way. Jeremy Juski will get to Congress bigly. But anyways, he's not as confident as many Republicans are. Obviously, he's not a Republican. He's probably a Democrat. But even he knows, and he can't write off that, oh, Democrats are going to win all, all of the, all the, the, the risky elections. No. They're gonna, we're going to win. And he even knows that. And, and that's a good sign for Republicans. But we have to get into these elections that are coming up. We have so much news about them, it's impossible to stay away from it. And it seems every day as we get closer and closer to the election, to the actual midterms, that we just are running low on time to talk about anything else. So we have news about Dr. Oz, folks. Dr. Oz is going to pull it off. He's going to be the next U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania. Dr. Mehmet Oz, folks. And I wish he was here to talk about it with me because I'd love to sit down with him. But he's not here, so we have to talk about it from afar, so to speak. But uh, he's even with Fetterman in a poll just before the midterms, just before the election. Uh, Fetterman and Oz gained 46.3 and 45.5 respectively, according to a poll conducted by Insider for Fox 29, Philadelphia's Fox affiliate. Around 5% of voters remain undecided, according to the poll. Shows favorable metrics for Oz, with him having 21.7% advantage among independent voters and 8% advantage among voters between the age of 40 and 64. The age demographic with the highest proponents to vote, according to the U.S. News and World Report. And I kind of want to play this clip here. It's kind of interesting to me. So do you plan to vote in the upcoming elections? Um, I already did, actually, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, for Shapiro, and then I actually voted for Oz okay. for Senator. So you split the tickets? Yeah, I did. What's happening right now isn't exactly working for us, so maybe change it up a little bit. Maybe there's, like, some variety, like... So she doesn't like Mastriano personally, which is fine. But she is a split ticket voter, folks. I, I thought those were extinct after Donald Trump. Um, 
Oh, that's cool. There's a Cleveland resident on here as well. Let's let's play this clip. It's unrelated, but let's play this. Why clip. do you think it's important for you to vote? Just because I think I think right now, especially, you know, our country could be heading in two completely opposite directions. I think it's very important at this point, you know, against because the parties have two completely, totally different agendas. So I think it's extremely important to vote in this election. I voted in the 2020 election for Joe Biden. No longer a fan. I will be voting Republican in this election. I think the economy is. That, my friends, is unpollable. That, my friends, the amount of those people out there are not going to be polled. Because Biden says, if you oppose me, you are a fascist insurrectionist against Americans. If you oppose what I believe in, you are a fascist, a fascist democracy hater that wants to destroy America. That's what he says. These people are unpollable. But these people are louder than ever and are going to be more impactful than ever. Truly. So Oz is, is within a point. He's going to win. He's going to win bigly, especially knowing the way the the election's going and the way the, the historical is going with our, not historical, but our the, the midterm generic ballot is going. We know that's going to happen. So... Dr. Oz and another topic about John Fetterman and about Dr. Oz and about Pennsylvania is I just want to play this clip from Joe Biden here. It's from Fox News. He was in Pennsylvania for John Fetterman. One of my best buddies from Scranton, as we say, Bobby Casey. I know his dad and his mom still around. I'm representative Doyle, which. So now his microphone stopped working. So he has three microphones in front of him. None of, none of them are working. And there it is. <laughs> How about this one? Is this working? Well, I tell you what, I knew he'd come here and do this. No, I'm joking. Can we get there? You go. All right. And so Lieutenant I, Governor. Here it is. I was saying something nice about you. That's why I went out. And, uh, but I'm saying we're going to try like the devil to keep you from having to, not having to decide to so leave. So is this not here on the clip? And, and, and John, thank you uh, very much for, uh, for running. I really do appreciate it. And Zell, you're going you're gonna to be a great, uh, a great lady in the Senate. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Giselle is his wife, the illegal immigrant wife of John Fetterman, male order bride, who is going to be a great lady in the Senate. Predicting that Gazelle is going to take over for John Fetterman after his term or after his her his pain. I mean, Doc John Fetterman is not the healthiest man in the world. He cannot speak. He is just not a good politician. He had a stroke right before the primary. He voted from the the, the hospital. That's how hurting he is. I mean, that's how hurtful he is. Truly. He's not healthy and you can agree with him politically and look at this and say this man is not healthy you can look at him and say john fetterman i support you i like your policies i hope you run and i wish you were healthy but you're not capable of doing it now you're not capable of being there now and that's what i believe even biden's doing at this point saying that his wife's going to take over from him that's quite the update in um, pennsylvania so I've got another story here about Arizona now. 
where registration error affects up to 6,000 Arizona voters, folks. 6,000 voters. A voter registration error may have caused some Arizona voters to get a mail ballot with only federal races. Secretary of State and candidate for Governor Katie Hobbs said Tuesday, approximately 1,000 of them received a mail, a mail ballot without local races, but it's too soon to know how many of those should have received a full ballot. The others did not request a mail ballot, but could vote in person. Hobbs has staked her election for, her campaign for governor largely on her staunch defense of the 2020 election in the face of criticism from former President Donald Trump and her allies. Her Republican rival from her television and news anchor Carrie Lake has spread Trump's unsupported claims of fraud two years ago and has called on Hobbs to step aside from overseeing the midterms while she's on the ballot. All right, folks. 6,000 voters. 6,000 received a false mail-in ballot or a, a, a inaccurate mail-in ballot. You heard that, folks, as well as I did. 6,000 voters. That could easily flip an election. In Arizona in 2020, we had a 1,672 voters, one, or 1,672,000 for Joe Biden, 1,661,000 for Donald Trump. Just about 11,000 fraudulent votes in Arizona flipped that election. And you're telling me they can't do that again with 6,000? Or even more? How many more actually happened? This is what she publicly, publicly came out with. Katie Hobbs is not capable of being governor, not capable of being secretary of state, not capable of running a restaurant. Imagine if you were a restaurant owner and you sent out a ticket for, for your customers that had $1,500 added to the bill. I don't think your customers would be very happy. And that's what's happening in Arizona right now. Arizonans, I know we have some of you listening out there, quite a bit of you actually, one of our largest states. Get out and vote for Republican Blake Masters, Republican Katie Hobbs, and the Republicans down the ballot. Uh, Wendy Rogers, Paul Gosar, Andy Biggs, you're, you're good people out there. You've got a great state, great group of leaders out there. Vote for them, support them, and stop radical Katie Hobbs from getting anywhere near the governor's mansion. You know, I saw something funny. I probably shouldn't say this, but <laughs> I, saw an, I, I saw a tweet that said, I wonder if Stacey Abrams in Georgia can fit in the governor's mansion inside the door. Good thing we'll never know. Good thing we'll never know. My name is GOP Josh. This is the Conservative Crusader Red Future Radio Network. Make sure you rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Make sure you check out our Patreon, our Telegram, Truth Social at GOP Josh on all of those. And we'll be right back after this with some Ohio news. The Ohio segment is returning, folks. We love Ohio, my home state. We can't wait for that. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. A new poll in Ohio from a mainstream media outlet says J.D. Vance has a lead over Tim Ryan. I'm using that applause button a lot tonight, and I'm sorry for that. I know some of you don't like it. It's kind of tacky, but I have to. Republican J.D. Vance has opened a narrow edge over Democrat Tim Ryan in the U.S. Senate race in Ohio. A U.S. Today Suffolk University poll finds as President Joe Biden's unpopularity uh, 
uh, complicits the campaign by a moderate Democrat congressman to flip a GOP-held seat. Vance leads 47-45, a shift from Bryan's one-point advantage last month. Both findings are within the survey's 4.4 percentage point margin of error. The Ohio race stands second only to Pennsylvania as a prospect for Democrats to pick up a House seat now, or a, a Senate seat now held by a Republican. That said, National Democrat groups have invested more money and effort in Wisconsin in hopes of ousting a GOP Senator Ron Johnson, who led by six points in a Marquette University poll last week. So he's leading by about a point. When Ohio polls is about 11 points. Good job, J.D. Vance. You won your election. Very excited to see you in the U.S. Senate. Come on the program. Talk about your race if you'd like to. You're more than welcome. Josh at gopjosh.com. Email me. So Tim Ryan is asking Democrats, asking the DNC, asking the uh, DNSC or whatever they're their senatorial campaign is. Why don't they smell blood? Why won't they give me money and help me in Ohio, folks? Because Ohio is going to go blue in 2022. Totally. National Democrats are heaping praise on their nominee for U.S. Senate in Ohio, lauding Tim Ryan's spirited debate performances as outside-the-box television ads, his aggressive campaign schedule, and his robust funding. But they're not spending big money in his race prompting Ryan and his allies to complain that National Party strategists involved with funding decisions are failing to adequately fund his unex- unexpectedly competitive campaign against J.D. Vance in for a U.S. seat or a seat in the GOP is hoping to, to hold on to in November. National Democrats have been known to not make very good strategic decisions over the years. There's a frustration among the rank-and-file Democrats that the leadership doesn't quite understand where we want this party to be. I think they see the writing on the wall for JD or for Tim Ryan. I think they see that he's not going to win. At this point, leading in a USA Today poll was all JD Vance needed. He's winning unpredicted. He's winning on every poll, every true poll that's not an, a, an internal, and he's even close to an internal. So for Tim Ryan, there's no way in 2022, and I'll put my money on this. I'll put my mouth. I'll put my reputation on this. You you can clip this portion of the program. And set a reminder on your phone for November 9th, 2022. There is no way that Tim Ryan beats J.D. Vance without massive voter fraud, without massive voter irregularities, irregularities in the state of Ohio. Absolutely not. J.D. Vance is going to win. Tim Ryan is going down, and I can't wait to see that. So I want to talk about something else. We have a little bit of time left. Where Mike Pence says of a Trump 2024 run... There was someone, uh, somebody I might prefer more. You can't make this up, folks. It's 24. Let's restart the clip. Thanks, ABC, for just auto-playing it. Mr. Pence, if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee for president in 2024, will you vote for him? Well, there might be somebody else I'd prefer more. And, And so... Mike Pence, whose biggest base of people right now are the very establishment Liz Cheney type of people, and they're not even fully on board, and the young rhinos of the college Republicans of the Turning Point USA that say, we hate Donald Trump, but we love neoconservatism and endless foreign wars and endless money to Ukraine. We love you, Mike Pence. Yeah. So he's doing a, a university tour nationwide with the Young Americans for, uh, for Liberty or the Young American Foundation, one of the two. Just traveling to these college campuses, giving speeches, asking questions. And I, Mike Pence wasn't a bad vice president outside of January 6th and his neoconservative ties. He's born on the same day as I am, had the same upbringing as I did, 
He was the same. Uh, he was also a syndicated radio host on his Mike Pence show and TV host. And he was quite the guy. He's, he, I, I kind of looked up to him before January 6th. But we see where that went. And we see where he went as a politician and as a person. And so we'll have to see here. We'll have to see if he has any chance. I don't think he does. But the question was very specific. Very specific. If Trump is the Republican nominee in 2024, will you vote for him? The nominee. Not the not on the primary ballot. The nominee. And he said there might be somebody I prefer more. Mike Pence, who do you prefer more over the Republican nominee? Are you saying you're going to back yourself as an independent? Are you saying you're going to back Liz Cheney's independent campaign? What are you doing, Mike Pence? Where are you positioning yourself? I'd like to see how this goes. But I don't know if he's referring to if he heard the national part or the uh, general part. I don't know if he heard that or if he heard the nominee part or if he seriously believes that Liz Cheney has a chance of taking down Donald Trump. If she, if he seriously believes that Dick Cheney's daughter is going to take down the art of the deal. And if that's what he thinks, man, I'm so glad he's out of the Oval Office and so glad he's out of power in the United States. Keep going on your college towards the Gen Z GOP folks. I'm Gen Z. I'm GOP. That organization doesn't represent me. Mike Pence and his policies and his people don't represent me. Sorry, Mike Pence. That's just the truth. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Go to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash GOP Josh. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash GOP Josh. As Biden would say, P-A-T-R-E-O-N-D-O-T-C-O-M dot slash GOP Josh. When you want to support the program, if you'd like to support the program, I don't know if this is a real poll or not, but there's some big news outside of Minnesota. If this is real, I'm trying to verify right on the spot. Never done this before. Where there could be a red Minnesota. A real poll. If the election for governor and lieutenant governor of Minnesota was held today, what who, for whom would you vote? By less than a percentage point, Republican Scott Jensen is taking the lead. It's a Trafalgar poll sponsored by Alpha News, which I've never heard of, and is a Minnesota political news and commentary group, a a right-leaning news source, but they are from Minnesota. They are on the ground, and they actually see he might win. Man, that's big news. Great way to end the program today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening for the pro- to the program. We appreciate you being here every single Tuesday and Thursday. Wherever you get your podcast, on the radio, on gopjosh.com, on redfutureradio.com. Until next time. My name is GOP Josh. Red Future Radio, The Conservative Crusader. See you next time. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. 